Smith, and welcome to The World Transformed. All this week, we've been answering the question, who wants to live forever? We've been joined by our good friend, Thomas Fry. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and with me in the virtual studio is my co-host, Stephen Gordon. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Phil. How are you? Well, I am super fantastic. Happy Friday. How are you, my friend? Man, I I just want to know, man, about this ending aging. When and how? And what exactly are you going to do about it, Phil? I'm glad you asked those questions because we've got just the guy to answer them here. We've got with us Thomas Fry. He's the executive director and senior futurist at the Da Vinci Institute and a world-renowned futurist and speaker. Thomas, welcome back to the program. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's always great having you with us, and this has been a fun topic. I've enjoyed talking about making people live longer. So maybe you just want to answer Stephen's question, uh, how soon and uh, how will it be done? Yeah, great question. Is it going to be a needle in the arm? Is it going to be a pill that we take? Is it going to be an operation? What's it going to look like? And then are there any side effects that everybody wants to know about side effects all the time? But but kind of more important than that, I mean, right now, while people are staying healthier longer, nobody's really crossed this 120-year barrier. We haven't haven't broken through that yet. And so until until we actually break through the 120-year barrier, nobody's going to believe it. And so somehow we have to get confidence in being able to do that. And and my, my own personal hang-up on this is that I don't think we can accomplish this with our current healthcare system. The healthcare system has gotten so complicated that nobody even knows how to navigate it anymore. It's messy beyond belief. And so how can we possibly make progress in something that is becoming disencumbered with bureaucracy? Absolutely. That is an excellent question. And in fact, if we make progress in this direction, it actually kind of redefines healthcare to some extent. Because if we can make people live longer, one of the things we talked about, I think, on the Wednesday show was, or it might have been, might have been the Tuesday show. I'm not sure now. But we talked about how much damage is done to people just by their cars and how much medical expense is spent related to people being injured in automobile accidents. But the big medical expense for most people in their entire lives is their end of life, right? That, that's where yeah. we end up spending most of our money. So we've got a whole healthcare system that's kind of built around dying. It's kind of built around being old and dying and, and that last little bit of money that you put into to ending that process. If people can live longer, you turn that whole thing on its head. The, the problem is, as you're saying, the system that we currently have doesn't want to get turned on its head, right? It's, it's not well yeah. set up to, to turn that thing around. Yeah, every, every industry that's gotten disrupted has been disrupted by some innovators that are from outside of the industry. It never happens from within the industry. So as an example, right now, Microsoft has invested a boatload of money into their thinking that, you know, the, the human genome is just another coding language. And so rather than using... Uh, pharmaceutical drugs to cure somebody, they actually will prescribe an algorithm to a person to fix whatever their problem is. And so I, I actually love that approach, that line of thinking, because the healthcare industry is actually the biggest shift that's going to be happening is it's going to transition from an industry driven by pharmaceuticals to an industry driven by data. That's what so many of the tech companies are focusing on because the tech companies will be the disruptors for the healthcare industry. It's, it's kind of like you think about the entertainment business, movies, 
and music and several of these other things, they were always mechanical and chemical processes driving everything. And then suddenly they went digital and everything went nuts, right? If healthcare yeah. can become a, a digital problem space that's solved through digital technologies, then I think we're really going to see things turn around. That's going to be kind of a major turning point. But how close are we to that, do you think? Is that something that we're going to see happen in our lifetimes? Is that something we're going to see happen over the next few years? What do you think? Well, I attended an Innovation Day event uh, with the Siemens Corporation in Chicago about three weeks ago. And they were talking about this idea of a digital twin. Now, when we talk about a digital twin, they're talking about taking and putting enough sensors on a piece of equipment so that we can create a digital model of it remotely and then monitor what's going on. So if it's a, a digital twin of an airplane or a ship or a turbine in a power plant, then we can actually monitor this piece of equipment from a 1,000 miles away. And if something breaks down, they can look at it and say, oh, I see what went wrong with it. But better than that is they then can look at it and anticipate problems before they're actually happening. Now, if we take that idea of a digital twin to the level of, of actually embedding enough sensors inside of our body and on our clothing, so then we're, we're totally modeling our entire body, and then we can actually create a digital twin of ourselves we then have far more information to go on as we understand what's working and what isn't working in the human body. And then kind of the way I, I've been thinking about this is the whole healthcare industry today is invested in getting people back to the normal line. And right. when I think the true potential of the healthcare industry is to get people above normal so that they're operating at 120, 150% of what they were. And that's where I think the true opportunity is, that we cannot just become human again, that we can become superhuman. Yeah, you've got this real emphasis on averages, right? Everything, you know, your blood pressure, your weight, uh, everything that goes on in your blood sugar, it's, it's all around statistical averages rather than for any of those things or for anything you can imagine, what's the optimal level for you, right? That's actually what we should be looking at when we're, when we're looking at health. Now, do you see anything in particular that if, if, you, if you were a betting man, you would say, okay, well, that is going to be the big breakthrough that's really going to, to make a huge difference. We've talked about drugs like NAD plus and, and metformin. There's these uh, treatments around people adjust, trying to lengthen their telomeres and their, and their genes. There's talk around doing genetic modification. I guess what you were saying that Microsoft is doing is kind of related to that, this CRISPR technology. Do you see any of those as being kind of the one big thing, or do you think the one big thing is going to be a whole lot of smaller things, or that it's, it's, it is something big, but it's something that we haven't heard about yet? Yeah, I think CRISPR is real interesting, but I think um, you know, what I tell people is that the cars that we drive today have been in development for 120 years. Mm. We've gone through these countless iterations of improvements throughout this 120 years to get to what we have today. I mean, the healthcare industry has to go through, you know, another 1,000, 10,000, 100,000 iterations of improvement to get to, and some of these will go much quicker than in the past because we're, we're in a, a much more digital age than uh, the physical age that we came from in the past. But I think that we don't know all of the, the changes. So, I mean, CRISPR technology as an example Whenever we have a new technology, we have to work our way through the crappy stages. We're just kind of getting into the crappy stages. And uh, what comes out on the other side 
is going to be vastly different. It'll be under different terminology, different names, different ways of thinking about it. And so it's hard to actually predict what it looks like on the on the backside. Stephen, you've been taking NAD Plus, haven't you? I have. I have. Um, so what do you think? How much younger are you now? It's one of those things you, I just don't know because I don't have uh, a, an identical twin who didn't take it, right? All right. And so, uh, you know, with no control, all I can give you is anecdotal, you know, evidence, I suppose, that, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I feel well enough having taken it that I'm continuing to take it, even though it's, it's still fairly expensive. It's, it's, right. not the, it's not the cheapest thing in the world to do. The real name brand stuff is like $60 a bottle. I don't, I don't get that, but I am taking NAD plus with, with a cell rejuvenator type thing, and uh, yeah, I'm going to continue to take it. I believe that it's doing me some good. Well, so at least a strong placebo effect going on. Yeah, exactly. It, it might just be that, but uh, you know. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I was in a car accident uh, last year and uh, banged up one of my knees pretty bad. And so I've, I got a stem cell shot in the knee and it's it's helped quite a bit. It hasn't brought it back to the way it was, but it helped. So we're, we're still not able to really pull things back 100%. Uh, right. That's were deficient on lots of levels still. There's a professor at the University of Glasgow in Scotland who believes that we can 3D print all of our pharmaceutical drugs that we need, and not just print all of our drugs, we can print them in the exact dosage and print everything into a single pill that we would take every day. So it's hyper-individualized for us for that moment in time and uh, that's a much better way of not over-medicating our bodies or under-medicating them. And, but uh, will, the, will the pharmaceutical companies actually buy into that model of thinking? There's a whole lot of bridges to be crossed there before that will happen. Well, and again, if, if the pharmaceutical companies don't buy in, then they, they might be on the evolutionary chopping block there, so to speak, right? They, they, they might find themselves supplanted by a new way of approaching all of this. If, if people see a means of actually living longer and healthier lives and they have positioned themselves effectively as a, as a stumbling block to that, that's, that's not going to be a long term, that's not going to be a tenable position for them. But it, it would take a while for people even to be aware enough of it, of what's going on before that would, uh, that would be the problem. You know, Thomas, what you said about I've often thought this when I'm taking vitamins in the morning. I, you know, I'm taking like a handful of these things, and you know, I, I, I've often thought, you know, probably an hour and a half after taking these, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm at optimal health, but the rest of the day, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing what I should do, right? You got 20 it's, minutes every day, right? Yeah, 20 and minutes. I'm, I, and I'm doing great, you know. Yeah. But uh, and I just wonder if at some point, what we really need is like an an onboard system that can kind of alert you that your little pharmaceutical lab uh, has been alerted to what you absolutely need. We're, it's preparing a capsule for you with exactly the nutrition that you need at this moment. Bloop, it's ready. Take it and uh, you're good. Throughout the day, you instead of taking like a handful of vitamins in the morning, you're you're taking a handful over the course of the entire day. One pill, uh, you know, every you might be doing yourself better with a, with a system like that, right? Well, we, we actually have so many more uh, things at our disposal. People are drinking coffee, they're taking energy drinks, they're taking mood shifters, or they, they're able to access these on so many different levels. 
And what they're trying to do is, is achieve the ultimate level of alertness that allows them to function at a slightly higher level than they have in the past. And, and they achieve it on a momentary basis, and then they say, oh, i got to take that again because I got there last right. time. And so they're willing to spend a ton of money on these things. And, and um, yeah, it's, it's always such a hit-and-miss thing, and it's, it's, it, you're right, it's very momentary. Yeah. What role would you say that machine learning and artificial intelligence generally have to play in bringing these kinds of changes about? So I've, I've talked a lot about this, this whole idea of, of moving into a much more uh, science-based diets that we can have uh, uh, things that will scan a plate of food. It will tell us how much we weigh before we eat the plate of food and how much we're going to weigh afterwards. <laughs> oh, man, I don't want that. But, yeah, <laughs> but... But knowing, knowing, knowing exactly what effect uh, right. we're going to eat is going to have on our body, that will shift us dramatically from the fad-based diets that we're on today to maybe a more science-based diet. Um, it would appear that that might be the direction that we're going to go, but then we might have um, kind of this hybrid fad science diets too. So. So anyway, I, I think that that starts changing a lot of those things. But, yeah, I don't know. I think we're going to have people that develop fat melters, all of the fat off of our bodies, and uh, instant, instant fitness that trim up our muscles just when we take this pill. Um, and, uh, I don't know, just hook our fingers up to these electrodes and suddenly we're much more in tune with, uh, uh, with our soulmate than we've ever been in the past. Well, I think we're, we're, we're probably not going to solve all the problems. We'll probably create additional problems along the way. It'll get messier before it gets better. Yeah, that seems like a, a probably just a good general futurist thing to say, right? You know, <laughs> right about almost everything. Yeah, well, you know what? There's some good stuff out there, but we're probably going to deal with some real crap between here and there, right? That's <laughs> how that's likely to break down. So what do you think? What's the long term? How long before this sort of thing is reliably available for, say, just a small subset of the population who can afford it and they're able to say, you know what? Aging death is no longer necessarily on my horizon, at least not, not from natural causes. And then, and then based on that, how long do you think it would be before it's something that's more widely available and then more or less universally available? Yeah, great question. Because, you know, when, when you get into anti-aging stuff, there is so much hype out there that if somebody really invented an effective anti-aging something, that nobody would know it. You, you have to somehow weed through all the BS that's floating around in every form of media out there because everybody's claiming theirs is the best and theirs has fixed this and that and theirs has cured cancer and um, made people taller and jump higher and all that. So it's it's going to be really difficult for somebody who actually comes up with an actual fix with a scientific basis behind it to actually be heard. Uh, that'll be an interesting challenge to overcome just in itself. As far as uh, the the time span, um, we always kind of hope that uh, the break right around the corner and it can happen any time. But uh, I'm guessing it's probably the 20 to 40 year time frame. That, that that seems pretty pretty fair. We'll see progress though between now and then. But you're saying 
before it's more or less kind of a standard and we can accept that it's really happening kind of? Yeah, and, and something that's more or less proven. I mean, here's the problem with an anti-aging whatever is it takes a long time to prove that anti-aging is actually anti-aging. Somebody's going to live to be 150. Well, you know, somebody has to live another 50 years after they're 100. And so that's a long time to, to prove something out. Um, it's true. You know, you look at, say, for example, Elizabeth Parrish. She's been working on this treatment to lengthen her telomeres and claims that she's made herself, I don't know, what is it, six years younger, 15 years younger? I, I yeah, can't remember the number like off, off the top of my head. But we won't really know that. Right. <laughs> you know, how would you know that until she yeah. lives longer than she was supposed to live, right? That's yeah, here's the thing. She looks great, but then again, she's not – is she even 40 yet? <laughs> you know, it's just – you know, we just we, – we need to wait a little longer before we can uh, know whether she's uh, she's done herself a lot of good, right? Yeah, I mean, Ray Kurzweil is taking over 200 pills every day so that he can live forever. He's got this whole diet regimen that he's on, but he just doesn't look healthy. I just think it – all of that that's wearing on him. Yeah, if he wants to be the, the symbol of health, I mean, you have to look that look healthy to become the symbol of health. I wish I could say that everything is just going to turn around tomorrow, but I think we have to have some dose of reality in the middle of this, saying that we have to, we have to work at it for the long haul, not just uh, expect a miracle to happen. So, But there is uh, absolutely a huge, huge market for the person that comes up with the cure. Yeah, it's a matter. It's a matter, I guess, of having a little bit of patience around something that it's hard to be patient about when you have this ticking clock, right, uh, looking you in the face. That's the that's the that's the thing that makes it tricky. Yeah, the ticking time bomb in the in, in our body below. So. <laughs> yeah, but but it is going to be a while before we before we know for sure. So looking forward, I would say that we definitely have a lot of challenges ahead, and the time frames aren't always going to be exactly what we would want. But would you agree that the question is one more of when it will happen rather than whether it will happen? Uh, absolutely. I, I think it's inevitable that, well, I'm not sure that we actually cure aging, but we're certainly going to extend it uh, dramatically. And, uh, and I think everybody is anxious to look forward to those times. And hopefully sooner rather than, rather than later, but we'll keep tracking. Yeah, um, I, I, for one, plan to live forever. Uh, so far, so good. <laughs> exactly. I can't believe how fast the time has gone by. Thomas, it's been great having you on this week, and uh, let's plan on having you back again soon. It's been, it's been too long, and we're going to have you back again soon. We'll, we'll do another one of these. Yeah, well, this has been a lot of fun. Let's work on topics where we can always end on a positive note. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks again for being with us. Stephen, great talking with you. It's great having you all with us. We will be back next week with three brand new shows, ending on a positive note, I'm sure. And until next time, live to see it. Mm-hmm.